All right. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams and real-world events where we share and inspire to ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day and with your help have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows. You are currently watching Live in the Castro with Haley Adams in San Francisco and special guest Ruby Croak. So you may be beaming in from YouTube or Facebook or listening to our podcast, but you can always get our latest event schedule and notifications in our official Reinventing the Tattoo community, which is found in both of your app stores, Apple and Google Play, or directly at community.reinventingthetattoo.com. So all of these Reinventing uh, Network shows, art jams, drawing groups, interviews, panels, webinars, seriously, all of this can be enjoyed on demand and found in our library, as well as our YouTube and podcast channels. So these are countless tattoo and art rabbit holes, uh, perfect to put on in your front room of your studio or to entertain um, tattoo clients. In fact, we're actually beaming out four channels 24-7, where if you go to reinventing247.com, you can enter to win a goodie bag with samples of Cheyenne cartridges and raw pigments, as well as a cool shirt from Ricardo Sturdivant. So we have uh, several weekly shows that are happening every single week um, in drawing groups. Sundays at 1 p.m., we have our Reinventing Drawing Group with artist uh, Welcome to Beeman happening with Jason Lesser. On 9 p.m. every Sunday, we have a new show called The Tattoo Weekly with myself, Gabe Ripley, and Jake Meeks. So that's the new stuff. We have a couple episodes on tattoo now. Check it out. Every Monday at 9 a.m., we have Jake Meeks. Uh, we have Jake Meeks of the Fireside Tattoo Network. And Mondays at 9, our subscriber-only exercises with Guy Aitchison. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m., we have Ricardo Sturdivant. And Wednesdays at noon, we have our Tattoo Now show. Lastly, we have Thursdays at noon, our Tattoo Collecting podcast. And every Thursday at 7 p.m., we have a new apprentice uh, skill level subscribers-only exercise with Kirsten. So all of this uh, stuff that we are talking about is available. Thank you to our sponsors. So we do want to talk about them. Okay, we've got uh, World Tattoo Events. They're the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. They have lots of updating stuff as conventions are rescheduling like crazy, but they definitely are happening in the US. Uh, we have inkjet stencils, print stencils from your mobile or computer, save your time, hands, and apprentices' hands. Um, we have webinars and free samples located right within our app, too. Also, Raw Pigments. They're an ink company that are tapping into the source with acrylic-free pigments that have been impressing artists across the globe. Find them at rawpigments.com. We have Dermalize Pro, known uh, in the U.S. as D-Lives Pro. Uh, protect your art. If you're using Saran Wrap, watch the videos at dermalizepro.com to see what they are all about. Of course, we have Tattoo Now and the founder and inspiration behind reinventing the tattoo, Guy Aitchison. Remember, his bioencyclopedia, DVDs, machines, paintings, and all can be found at guyaitchison.com. Um, we have several affiliates that we do work with that we'll say thank you to from the Fireside Tattoo Network, uh, the Apprenticeship Diaries, and ecofriendlytattoosupply.com. So other than that, thank you guys for listening to me go on and on, but the real juicy stuff is right about to start. I'm going to hand it over to Haley, who's going to introduce Ruby. So Haley, how is it going tonight? Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I'll say marvelous. Good. Um, the link that I put on my page was the reinventing 
the tattoo YouTube and I have that page pulled up, but it doesn't look like the video is playing on there, but I do see it on reinventing. So I just switched out the link. On All right. Tree. So maybe we'll get that working, but until then I will go into this. I, today I'm with uh, Ruby Croak who owns high art tattoo gallery in LA Ruby has lived all over from Miami to Brooklyn and California. I'm trying to get the scoop on their newest tattoo shop based in an RV. Their art inspired by their indigenous culture and their tattoos of watercolor and portrait style work. Uh, hi, Ruby. How's your day going? Good, good. Just uh, settling in back home now. Where's back home? Uh, so I currently live, uh, about one mile from Hollywood beach. Oh, nice. Uh, South Florida. It's between Fort Lauderdale and Miami for people that don't know. Cool. Um, let's see. Can you tell us, uh, what it was like, um, growing up in Miami beach in like the eighties and nineties? Yeah. Um, I actually get asked that question a lot. <laughs> I think people because it sounds dreamy. It sounds like oh, Miami Beach in the eighties. Like, it's, it's, yeah, know. it's a. Uh, it was a. It was an interesting time. Uh, my mom was super young, and so it was a lot of parties, boat parties. Uh, you know, sandbar beach days, and um, you know, I'm sure there was some pretty dangerous stuff in there that I just don't remember because I remember you know getting sunburned on the beach a lot, but. Um, yeah, it was a pretty cool era. A lot, a lot of roller skating parties. I remember a lot of <laughs> coats being dropped on me when I went to sleep in someone random bedroom. <laughs> yeah. And I was like five. Yeah. Wasn't your dad like a, a what'd you say was a salsa dancer? How we met your mom? Yeah, my, my mom actually met my dad. He was a salsa dancer at a nightclub. Um, and she was a beach bum, basically, that used to you know, skip school, spend most of her time on the beach. And um, she ended up being an extra on Miami Vice a few times because she was always at the right beach at the right time. <laughs> um, yeah. And then they, uh, then they had me and then he got deported to Columbia. So long story there. Um, what uh, brought you into the world of art? Were you interested um, I, when you I were saw- young or... Was it like influence? How old were you when your dad got deported? I never met him. I actually met him when I turned 30. So oh, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I obviously met him when I was born, but I don't remember any of that stuff. So uh, yeah. I think he was around, I think I was around one or something like that. And him, my grandmother and grandfather all went back to Columbia and then got told they had to stay there essentially. Oh. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't actually know them until uh, the last ten years, and yeah, I mean, uh, my mom, you know, single parent, tried to do her best. She put me in magnet programs pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, the benefit to growing up in What's Florida is there's a ton of magnet programs. So it's essentially a school that lets you sort of prioritize what you want to be, um, you know, as an artist. So um, I went to an elementary school that had a focus in dance, theater, um, art. I believe there was even, uh, you know, some sort of science program as well. Um, and then that fed into a middle school that did the same thing, that fed into a high school that did the same thing. So um, I went to feeder schools uh, for magnet 
you know, programs. So essentially I've been able to do art since I was fairly young. Oh, that's pretty incredible. I didn't know about magnet schools. I didn't know how those worked or at all. Um, I think they're, I think they're around the country, but uh, I know Florida specifically has a lot of them. That's awesome. Um, well, how did you, was there something in that art program or in that program that was drawing you to art? Um, no, I mean, I spent a lot of time at home. I was just, uh, you know, a kid by myself. My mom worked a lot. So, um, you know, I spent a lot of time by myself and had drawing stuff. So I, I just uh, kind of looked through tons of books. Um, I got grounded a lot. <laughs> and so, you know, the one <laughs> thing my mom would do thing. is go to, yeah, she would go to Goodwills and pick up all these different books. And I would, you know, sit there bored drawing the pages of the books and, um, you know, didn't really know what, know, know what they were, but that's, that's kind of how I started doing stuff is I start, you know, replicating things that were in different various books we had around the house. Um, and that I did that. Definitely encouraged like the realism style, huh? Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say so. I, I ended up leaning more towards animation. And then by the time I got to my high school art program, I had a I had a high school teacher that also taught art at the colleges and she really wanted me to focus on fine art and sort of get away from the animation thing yeah. um which I did for a while and I you know graduated with all the scholarships and went to the art schools I was supposed to and still secretly wish I had just stayed in animation so oh really <laughs> yeah I, I mean I would that. have loved to, I would have loved to work for Disney I grew up in Florida and Disney's a big part of Florida and you know, it's I always, I always wanted to just draw cartoons, you know? Yeah. Well, now, um, now I'm obsessed with fine art. So now, now I yeah, just paint. <laughs> so she got what she wanted. Fine, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how'd you decide you wanted to go to art school? You were just really drawn to uh, the air animation stuff and, and switched it up. Um, well, I went to the high school and uh, we, we got a very, sort of strategic layout of what um, our, like we got a big syllabus and it was, you know, all these different assignments and she made sure that we were uh, judged by Princeton and, you know, they gave us these like AP level grades and um, she had good connections with different colleges. So they would come down and scout us out, look at our work and, you know, um, do all that sort of stuff. So I actually got That's my incredible. first- It was pretty incredible. Um, I got my first college offer when I was a junior in high school um, to the Maryland Institute College of Art. And then I ended up getting one to School of Visual Arts in New York. Um, and, you know, I, I basically followed through because I needed, you know, at the time I felt I really needed to get out of Florida, you know, to really actually learn anything and, and uh, figure out who I am as an artist and all of that stuff. I knew I needed to leave to grow. Yeah. Um, so I got a job at a summer camp, Mariah Carey summer camp, teaching art classes and <laughs> got a flight paid. Mariah Carey that, summer I, camp. <laughs> yeah. And I jumped on a plane and uh, went to New York for the summer and got enough money for an apartment, went down and um, started working while I went to school. So how old were how you was then? That? I was, I think I just turned 18. I was like 17 
17 when I got on the plane the first time to go see the camp and 18 by the time I started working. So you were in New York City? In the city uh, it was or? upstate. It was upstate New York. Uh, my first visit, I went to New York City to see the school and then went upstate to see the camp and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And then um, got the job and then came back home to Florida, packed whatever backpack I had and then went up back to uh, teach at this summer camp so so that I could get a deposit permit. That's pretty ballsy to move uh, up to New York by yourself at a very young age. I Is think that- uh, I think most people that move to New York at a young age um, do it then because they have the balls then. And yeah. when later on, if you think too hard about it or your logical brain sort of sets in, um, you just never sort of, yeah, you just sort of make every reason why not to. And when you're young, you're usually running from something or to something. So I always find that young people, you know, move to bigger cities and worry less about it. I'm sure I put myself in all kinds of situations I should have been in, but, you know. So the school was in the city and everything was that. It wasn't overwhelming. Yeah, it was in. It was completely overwhelming. Um, <laughs> I, I ended up dropping out. Um, I went to the school, and you know, I I just was on a different level of like learning curve. I got there, and um, you know, my logical brain was like, okay, you have some scholarship and some you got to pay for, and you know, I'm in these classes, and this guy's teaching me how to draw on it. You know, I'm in this class with. I guess they call it the foundation year and you're in the school with all these different, you know, graphics and this person wants to be a fine artist and that person wants to be a graphic designer. And so the teacher's teaching on one level. Now the downside to going to magnet programs your whole life is when you get to the college freshman year, you've already done every assignment when you were 15. So you think, you know, everything and you're not looking at it for what you could learn. You're looking at it like, I'm, I'm paying you to teach me. And I already know this. And you're why like am a 17 year, 18 year old. You're like, Oh, what the fuck? Man? <laughs> yeah. I've already done this. What do you yeah, want from baby. me? Like, yeah. So I got kicked out. I got kicked out of, I think like two or three classes actually. And my counselor um, had to put me in night school with 30 year olds because, you know, they had like a continuing education program and in the night school, they would teach like 30-year-olds who already worked in a position, but needed, they were also part of my core group of classes I needed to take. So I ended up going to school with like 30-something-year-olds. How'd you end um, up getting picked night. out of the classes? What were you doing? Um, well, those were like, you know, typography to graphic design, all the way to, you know, painting 101. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all very interesting things. I mean, no, I mean, what were you doing to get kicked out? Were you yelling at them? Oh, sorry, you froze. froze. Yeah, me too. Um, What were you doing to get kicked out? Were you like, were you like just not showing up because you're bored or you didn't want to do assignments? Am I free? No, do the assignments or anything. It was more that, um, you know, they, they sort of just didn't know how to, I mean, I didn't know how to learn at that age and, and they didn't know how to teach, you know, someone like me. And so, yeah. you know, lack of effort and lack of effort by me as well, you know, like not understanding and, and just uh, not having a support system, you know, I was there by myself and 
you know, it's a big freaking world and, you know, they don't tell you art supplies are super expensive. And if you're Seriously. 17 with a job at Sabaros and you have to buy canvases and paint and go to school and it's miserable because you're learning the same junk that you learned as a freshman in high yeah. school, then, you know, <laughs> you're going to be pretty pissed off, you know? So yeah. I just ended up, uh, I gave it one more try. I went to Micah. After that, I transferred over to Maryland School mm -hmm. of Art. And, you know, they were all about getting into the New Yorker as an illustrator. Like it was their thing. You have to get into the New Yorker. <laughs> and I was like, F this. And I was like, you know, I had had my first girlfriend. 9-11 just happened. I was like, done. I went back to New York and uh, started working bars. And that was that. Was that the moment that you like just decided to quit art school? Yeah, basically I, um, you know, I just, I had worked at some restaurants uh, down in uh, Baltimore's like Inner Harbor and I worked at an ESPN and they basically were like, we could transfer you up to New York again. So I moved back to New York. Um, you know, I was dealing with stuff like first, first girlfriend, uh, uh, you can get money as a waiter. And, you know, I was going to this art school and I wasn't vibing with it at all. So I just went back to New York, transferred back to that. Um, I actually transferred my manager, his twin brother was working at WWF and I actually transferred and got a job at WWF. So I started <laughs> working there for the as wrestling a wrestler, company. of course, <laughs> back to New York City. Um, didn't you have a stroke during that time? Uh, I worked the green rooms. I took it. Yeah, so I got I got the uh, the version of um, I guess what a lot of young people get is called Bell's palsy. It's essentially mm -hmm. like a minor stroke due to stress. Um, that was one of the reasons I, I went to the hospital, and they, you know, they basically said, you know, you can take this medication or you can find your happy place. Is essentially what the nurse said to me, and I was like, well, I'm not really happy here. I was happier in New York, and so I went back to New York, and two weeks later, I was back to normal. Like a medication to make you less stressed out. Uh, I don't. I think I was more familiar with that kind of stress. Is that what they meant by like find your happy place? Like uh, take away like more of the stress that was causing it, or what do they mean by that? I think they, you know, I think, I think the nurse basically was like, you know, I see this all the time. People like your age come in and they're super stressed mm -hmm. out, and uh, you know at the end of the day, it's like, yes, New York is a stressful place, but so was Maryland and going home was even a worse level of stress. So yeah. I ended up just going, going to the devil I knew. I already lived in New York for a couple of years. And so I had already sort of had that understanding of New York's way of moving. And so it was made more sense for me to move back to New York. And then that's whenever you got into the bar scene, huh? Yeah, that was, that was definitely... I started working in uh, Times Square, working at different bars. Did you think you were going to be a bartender forever? Um, no, I thought, I always knew I was an artist, but I always thought, okay, you know, culinary arts is still an art. Um, mm -hmm. So I got deeper into making like signature cocktails and things like that. And I kind of moved into the sort of, uh, that scene before it became super popular. Um, but I always thought I would own a bar, you know, like oh, rather yeah. than work at one, I just assume, which 
then later I realized if you own a bar, you still work at a bar for just 15 more hours and you make less money than the bartender. So that's real. I was like, that's probably not a good idea either. What was your yeah. uh, favorite signature cocktail? You're um, breaking up a bunch. I don't know if it's me oh. or you. I'm going to see if I can get a hot spot, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. Because I'm, I'm only getting like one one every other word that you're saying. Okay, let me... Hey, Jess, can you hot spot me? Jess. Lauren, would you be able to show us um, Ruby's Instagram during that time and some of their artwork? Yeah, definitely. That would be a good thing to pull up. I will get that running. Happiness to me. It's Ruby's Downspace Inc. Yep. Okay. Thank you very much. Definitely. Nice. All right. So Ruby does this watercolor and realism style. Um, that is interesting. Are you you there, Ruby? Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a bit better now. Yeah, actually, I think you're breaking up less on this end. Oh, we were just talking about some of your uh, tattoos. We were talking about your watercolor style. How'd you get into your watercolor style? Um, so that, that's actually pretty interesting. I do a lot of, um, Europe conventions. Um, my mentor, big jazz, um, was doing a convention in Germany. Um, and he really wanted me to go there. So, uh, I did the Cologne convention with him and we were working with, uh, a guy named Jay Freestyle and, um, he's an amazing, amazing artist. Um, and, you know, he started showing me a few things while I was in Germany. And then, uh, you know, at the time I had just got out of the bar scene and decided to start tattooing full time. I had never done it, even though I've been tattooing for a long time. I've never tattooed full time where that was my only profession. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, when I went to Germany. I was actually still working in bars and, um, no, I decided to give tattooing a full-time go. I started working at Artistic Element, which is women's shop. And then um, I, when I was at his shop, uh, I had the opportunity to bring over guest artists. And so I went to Germany and I, you know, met Jay Freestyle. And, you know, I told him, I said, hey, why don't you come to Artistic Element, work for 10 days. You can stay in my house. Just teach me everything, you know, you know, in mm-hmm. 10 days. <laughs> and so... <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, you know, I watched him tattoo a bunch. Um, he tattooed my thigh for me. Um, and we just talked techniques. And, you know, we'd stay up in my kitchen and argue because he basically didn't think you had to paint. I told him you have to paint to be an artist. Um, so he actually <laughs> started painting because of me um, in oil because he only did watercolor paintings. And I was like, you really got to paint in oil, you know. And yeah, that's these, a whole like, battle, right? Discussions. Of like how people think oh, about yeah. color and versus oil. And- oh yeah, and now and now he's James Asher Art and has his own like oil <laughs> page. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, he's an amazing artist in general. 
Um, but it was, it was kind of funny. We were at a, uh, I went to his seminar in Australia because we worked a convention there together. And during his seminar, he's like, and you have to oil paint. And he was like, <laughs> he told me that. And, you know, um, but yeah, but he came, uh, he came over to the shop and, um, you know, I got, I got just a 10 day, like immersive, like class from this guy. Um, and I wish I had gotten it in more recent time and I may go join him and like, you know, watch again for another 10 days. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, getting to see like one of the more innovative styles of that, uh, technique, uh, you know, it was, it was priceless, you know what I mean? So he really, you know, when he left, I was super inspired and I probably painted, you know, a hundred watercolor paintings after that. And, tried to sell them as tattoos and sold them as watercolors instead. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much sold them all. But, um, but, you know, I ended up getting to do a few of them. And, you know, that sort of led me into, you know, paying more attention to the realism and then paying more attention to, um, you know, just blending multimedia techniques. You know what I mean? That, that sort of became um, the basis of anything I do, uh, whether it's tattoos or paintings. Um, and it was, you know, sort of based off that trip and then that guy and then like you know, blending just, the techniques from watercolor into tattooing when you say blending yeah, so, media techniques. So I work a lot with um, I love photography. I don't do photography, but I love it. And then mm -hmm. I, I paint a lot, mostly in oil, um, mostly oil acrylics. Um, and I do paint a lot in watercolor as well for work. Um, but for my actual like fine art stuff, I prefer oil and, uh, and acrylic. And what I've realized is, um, you know, when you combine all these different, you know, from being from an art background, multimedia is sort of just, a, another version of, of, you know, mixing medias together. So I'll mix a photograph with, you know, watercolor painting with, you know, oil to it and, yeah. you know, you get these different layers and sort of. Uh, I guess that's what I'm always. Yeah, and then when you blend in a bit of graphic design, you know, to me that then kind of seals off the design aspect that's required of of tattoos. You know, mm -hmm. um, I really got tired of sort of seeing just a portrait that ended in black, you know, or ended Definitely. in a color. Um, and so I started thinking about how to not do that, and um, started thinking more about like, you know versions of street art that you know it's not my favorite genre but I'll look at that kind of stuff see how they sort of end things off and graphics and how they end things off and you know I'm I feel like I'm just constantly um a student in that in that way of like trying to just see what works best for me you know I, I still don't feel like I've even reached any kind of goal with tattooing that I'm you know happy with I'm still always trying to find the next thing that will make next version of the next five tattoos I do be fun you know yeah that's what um, I love about tattooing is there's no end in sight there is no like okay you've learned everything you know because you can like focus on one area for so long and never master yeah anything, you totally right? can it's incredible yeah or you know it's it's that forever balance you know I'm always kind of like man maybe I should have maybe I should have focused down on one style and I'd have like 
you know, 250,000 followers and I'd be, and then my wife is always like, and you'd be miserable working in the same style every day, all day. And I don't want to have to hear your mouth about that. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's, it's sort of that, uh, that strange things that, that tattooers are also salesmen because, you know, we have to like, whatever art we're interested in the moment, we have to sell, you know, and it's, If I'm if I'm bored of watercolor and I want to do some color realism, well, I got to sell those color realism pictures. And so, you know, you put them it's up always and show that you can do them like awesome. You're like, yeah, look at this. It looks awesome. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that that always keeps it somewhat interesting and keeps you on your toes. And, and I always feel like, you know, it keeps you learning. I, I do go back to Europe quite a bit. I've done three month tours, 15 conventions in a row all across Europe I've had guest spots that have fallen through and I've had to go to a different city that it's, they speak English just so I can work and you know it it definitely keeps you on your toes and uh, you learn a lot from meeting Do you go different there, artists uh, for inspiration whenever you go uh, I go there a lot um, yeah I mean I have been I've been to you know Australia um, I've definitely been all across the states and um i've been to south america i've been to you know all across europe and you know i think what what the europeans are doing and i think what the south americans are doing specifically uh speak to me right now um Mm -hmm. and just in terms of their style and their approach to tattooing um i think is based a lot more on being an artist um and i think they spend a lot of time you know, painting and doing that sort of thing. And so, you know, I tend to sort of like look up to the people that live the lifestyle I want to live, you know, and Mm -hmm. that's, that's painting alongside tattooing, you know, so. Um, Will you take us back to how did you get your apprenticeship? Oh, that was a funny one. So um, I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Crown Heights. Um, and I had started a t-shirt company. This was in early 2000s. Uh, and I started, you know, printing on t-shirts and I started painting on vintage military. And I, I actually got my apprenticeship and I had like five jackets in a window in Soho selling them for like $1,000 each. Um, and I was doing pretty well with this like little t-shirt company, you know? Um, yeah. And I, and I, you know, and it was the time when you had to go door to door. There was no like way, like getting a website built was like 10 grand, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would go, I would go to like, you know, door to door to different shops. And, you know, I went into a tattoo shop and I was like, Hey, you guys want to carry a rack of my t-shirts, you know? Cause I would bring racks of t-shirts to places and be like, if you sell them, you get this much. If I sell, you know, I get this much, you know? Um, I would love and it was a way of writing. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I still have like plenty the of them. <laughs> I, That's cool. Oh, I have them. I have them around. Um, there's a whole there's a whole uh, album on Facebook with all of the photo shoot from those clothes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I would, um, you know, I'd go to different stores and I walked into this tattoo shop that my friend had my friend from high school art class had did an apprenticeship there mm-hmm. uh, or tried to. And um and she was like oh yeah I'm working at this freaking shop in Brooklyn you should come by and I was like yeah I'm gonna come over there and see if I sell my shirts and I met Big Jazz and um 
you know, and he was like, you know, did you do the designs on these? And I was like, yeah. He says, so you could draw. And I was like, a little bit, you know, and he was like, draw me something. And I was like, okay. And he like <laughs> put this like old, uh, like flash, like skull devil thing in front of me. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, draw it. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to say no to like freaking 350 pound, like muscle dude. So I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I like sat there and drew it. Um, and he's like, come back every day at 11 o'clock. I want to see who you here at 11 o'clock. And I was like, what is he talking about? And my friend was like, I think you just got an apprenticeship. And I was like, I don't want to be a tattooer. I was like, what is he talking about? I don't want to be a tattoo artist. And he's like, you don't know what you want, you know, come back. And I was like, all right, all right, fine, dude. I'll come back. I live like a block away, whatever. So he just I started coming to tattooing. Oh my God. He totally kidnapped me. He tells the story all the time too. Cause he's like, Ruby was like, what do you want with my life? Um, and I always joke with him. I'm like, I totally would have took the blue pill. I wouldn't, I would not have been a tattooer. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's like, it's like basically signing up to be heartbroken for the rest of your life. Like you'll never do the best tattoo of your life. It's like what it nope. is. So, um, so yeah, so, you know, that's how I met big jazz and, you know, to this day, like, I love that guy. I'll go wherever he's at and work. And, um, you know, uh, so that, that actual apprentice actually never worked out. And then, uh, El Chimu started working there. And so him and I kind of did our apprentice with jazz. Then jazz went to LA to learn black and gray and he started doing conventions and, uh, you know, then he reopened his shop and I had to then I had to reapply as an apprentice there. Oh my <laughs> God. Like, oh, so there was yeah, a gap in there. The, That's there really was a smart. gap in there. He, he moved to LA to learn black and gray. Like he was like, if I throw yes. myself into like the center of black and gray, then I'll exactly. figure it out. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so he did that, um, which I then later did myself. Um, but yeah, then he opened a shop in uh, Green Ave, Brooklyn, which is Clinton Hill area. Um, he opened a shop there and I came there with like my tail between my legs. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to really learn this if I'm going to learn it. Um, when he went to LA, I went to Paris and I spent some time there, you know, uh, just looking at art and trying to review what I wanted to do with my life and see if I wanted to move to Europe. And I wasn't sure. And I came back and I started working at his shop and, you know, I ate a big slice of humble pie and, um, didn't feel like I really knew what I was doing at that point. And, you know, a couple of years went by, I was working in nightclubs, still freaking bartending till four or five o'clock in the morning, getting up, you know, going to work at noon at, at his shop, being exhausted, not putting any time or effort into tattooing, being hungover. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And, uh, you know, I just followed what he did. I was like, he was like, you know, you draw in black and gray all the time. Why don't you go to LA and learn black and gray? Yeah, and I had some friends out there asking me to come. And so I did. I went to L.A., um, packed everything up and bounced. Um, and, you know, then just kind of fell into all the right scenarios. I met my wife. She was like, I'm not dating a bartender who bartends <laughs> time. If you want to be an artist, she's like, go be an artist. Um, but I'm not dating a bartender. So I quit bartending and got the job at Romans and you know, and then worked she was there for a few years. Then she oh, was, yeah. Oh, she, married, yeah. she married me after that. <laughs> An artist. I like one of those. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, not the steady bar money, but the, but the artist money. Okay. Yeah, totally. 
I can't believe tattooing got you sucked in. Like what, what happened? Like that first tattoo, you were like, all right, you know, fuck it. I could do this forever. Um, I had already, you know, the thing is I, I roadied for bands at hard rock and stuff. Remember I tell you I worked in times square a bunch and, mm-hmm. uh, I worked in these green rooms and I did a lot of work with like bands and I met Paul Booth. So oh, no. I actually got tattooed. I actually got tattooed from Jeremiah Barba at Paul Booth's gallery prior to ever meeting jazz and learning to tattoo. Oh, wow. So I had already had a big tattoo piece. Um, and so, you know, I was always interested in it and I would ask questions when I was sitting there getting tattooed. Cause what do you do for eight hours while you're getting yeah, work done? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I would ask all these questions and then, you know, I'd ask here and there. And then a couple of the guys there actually mentioned apprenticing and things like that as well. And I kind of brushed that off and then I landed with jazz later. So I kind of took that as like a little bit of a sign of like, all right, well, shoot, I guess, you know, I don't want to bartend forever. I don't want to open a bar. Um, so, you know, here I am, you know, like, why not? I think it's, it's super least- interesting. A lot of these or like, there's like at least half of these interviews, people are like, they just kind of fell into the industry, you know? It was just like, oh man, it captured. I me. feel like that's <laughs> the most appropriate. Yeah, it's the most yeah. appropriate way, right? Absolutely. It's like you fall into it and you get offered the apprenticeship, um, or you really fight for one. You know, mm-hmm. all these. You know, there's a, a few people just out there apprenticing five people at a time and taking their cash and that's you know insane. teaching them fine teaching them fine line tattoos. And it's like I just want to punch them in the face. Like, yeah, dude, Seriously, you know, I'm with you on that's that. that's part of being in that. You know half foot in the old world of tattooing and half foot in the new is like, you know, you learn the old way. So you get pissed off at the way people are doing it now. And it's like, they're not, they have no respect for the industry and what it took to actually be here. You know, like but I said, I ate like a big people being manipulated and taken advantage of like, uh, oh, that too. Are, they're yeah. not even taking their money. They're just like have five apprentices. They do all their like shit work for them and then like move them along, you know? Which I mean, yeah, of course, they, that was they teach them only one style that they'll never ever actually be able to tattoo with. Because when that style falls out of fashion, you're out of a yeah. job. You know? Everything's every ten so. years. You gotta like either like have like a super specific thing you're dedicated to, no matter what the fad says, or yeah, learn a bunch of things and evolve all the time. You know, there's either way. But I mean, exactly the same thing's not in style forever. They'll all learn. Don't Never. worry. And we'll just be like grouchy and old. And like, ah, you guys. <laughs> You're like, we'll just be grouchy and old. I'm like, I'm 40. I'm getting there. <laughs> Did you start tattooing in 2007? Is that what you said? Or Yeah, it was around like six or seven. I, I, uh, I always keep track of it by this old like Savage magazine that the shop was in. And my oh. picture's in it. It's like 2000. It's like 2007. So I'm like, it had to be that year either. 2006 or seven. Hell yeah. You're about to hit the, yeah. or you're about to hit your sweet 16 soon. Or what I think I got like another year and change, maybe. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing, uh, me and my friend Sam are hitting our sweet 16 in September. We're throwing like a big birthday party. Like I'll get to wear like a powder blue suit and everything. I'm like, oh, sweet 16. Oh, <laughs> we should give each other <laughs> cars, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's super fun 
we've been talking about for yeah, years, pretty- but it's like, oh yeah, it's the only time we're going to get to do that. So when you hit your sweet 16, you got to buy yourself a car, do a prom. Thing. Oh no. I just sold my, <laughs> uh, I just sold my favorite car that I've ever had. So what was pretty it? sad about it. Uh, I had an orange white stripe Dodge Challenger Ooh, that I was pretty obsessed with. That's awesome. Needs change. I needed a it truck to my house. Uh, it was a 2014, but that was like one of the models that was still modeled kind of fairly close to the vintage 71 model. So, and then the color, like old timers would pull up to me and be like, I had this car and you know, um, yeah, it's, it was a pretty, it was pretty rad, but, uh, but a truck came available that I really needed to pull my house and I didn't need the car. So yeah, My, my car is orange right now. It's a 76 Chevette. So it's a, oh, I love it. I haven't seen many orange cars though. That I don't know. It'd be cool to see yours. Yeah, um, just so, it was definitely. Sorry. <laughs> just so everyone knows, we're going to be taking questions in about ten minutes. So if you have a question, put it in the chat. That'd be great. Uh, tell us about the RV stuff. Somebody in the chat says, actually, it's my mom who says this. Tell us about the RV <laughs> stuff um yeah hell yeah that's what's i got you um so what are you doing with uh these rvs what are you having multiple of them do you drive them around are they stationed in one place (laughs) like what's going on with this tell me about it all right um we'll get right into that then so (laughs) um so originally my grandfather he has lived in RVs his whole life. Um, he's an old war vet used to work in the white house and all of that stuff. And then, uh, so he's just been obsessed with RVs his whole life. Um, he got this big RV. It's, uh, you know, for people that don't know the differences, um, the fifth wheel is the one you see being pulled by a truck. The class A motorhomes are the giant ones with the big glass window. That's what we have. Um, that's what my grandfather was living in and he couldn't get in and out of it anymore. It was too big for him. Uh, he can't see as well. So he didn't really want to drive it places. Um, and he had just bought it. It was 2019. So, um, yeah. So him and my mom started calling us being like, Hey, can you guys take over this motor home? I hung up. I was like, no. And I hung (laughs) up. I was like, get rid of that thing. I live in LA. Yeah. I was like, I live in LA. What do I want a motor home for? <laughs> my wife, my wife, who's clever, um, said, clever. Hey, you know, TV productions happen all the time and they need to rent these. And there's a whole website like Airbnb that rents motorhomes called outdoorsy.com. And I was like, Oh, okay. So we call her back and we say, we're going to have this RV and my wife is going to be responsible for renting it out every weekend. And it can make you up to like seven to 10 grand a month, just having it. So I was like, cool beans, no worries. Let's do it. Um, and we get the RV and COVID had sort of just, uh, I believe COVID was about to happen. Um, yeah. Cause it was 2019. So we had knew we were getting this RV, but we didn't account for COVID. Um, so we get the RV, it's in our possession and I'm like thinking about all of the logistics of life. And I'm like, Hey, you know, reality is I don't actually own my shop. My landlord does because I rent a shop. 
I think about so that all the time. So if I can't, yeah, I'm like, if I can't pay for this shop, then, you know, it could be gone. And that freaked me out. And so originally I made the RV or we had made, we had talked about taking it um, to do pop-ups in different cities and housing all of the artists together in the RV. Cause it slept <laughs> like 10 people. It was an, in, it's, insane inside so it slept like 10 people yeah and I was like I'm gonna pack my friends up we're gonna wrap it (laughs) high art tattoo and we're gonna do pop-ups in different cities because conventions are not gonna be a thing you know and I'm having this whole freak out about it and I'm like (laughs) and then then COVID really hit and we really registered you're not going anywhere and I was like mad about it and she was mad about it and I was mad that I didn't own my shop and I was like and this is how they keep you small because trying to get a business loan for a commercial space is hard. Yeah. Um, very hard. And I'm, and I'm a bit older and I've like tried a, a several different routes and um, you know, I've learned a lot about it since, um, but I needed a solution for this RV. And I was like, you know what? Screw that. I own the building, right? I own the RV. Therefore I own the building. Yeah. So I'm going to turn this thing into a tattoo studio and I'm going to put what the bedroom is there. I'll break down the bed we'll move all this electrical and we'll make it a private room. And then I'm going to put two stations in the front. So we proceed to gut this whole RV. All during COVID? Are you doing this during COVID? We did this in the blazing sun of California because (laughs) we didn't have it hooked up to shore power and every uh, shore power for people that don't know is RVs come with a giant plug, 50 or 30 Watts. You plug it up at an RV park and you're hooked into the electrical grid. So you can run your AC, you can do all these different things. If you don't have that, you're on a generator, which you have to fill with gas every day, run the generator. And that's how you, you know, that's, that's called boondocking. That's how you freaking run your AC when you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. So, um, so we're thinking about it and we're like, cool, we have this dope generator. It's a really freaking, you know, high end RV. So we gut this thing out and I, decide that I'm going to epoxy resin floors and I've never Holy done this shit. before. Oh no, <laughs> that so, can go so bad. Oh man. So uh, let's just say about 10 coats later, this floor looks amazing. Oh I, I, you know, I, we came up, you know, originally it was going to be these snakes behind it. I don't even know why. I think I just wanted like hot pink everything. And I was like, I'm going to do freaking hot pink snakes. And, uh, <laughs> Later, I decided, you know what, I should probably name it after like, you know, a powerful woman. And I'm like, I'm going to freaking do Medusa. And, you know, me and my wife, you know, I Photoshop. I, I did what I do. I took pictures of her. I body painted her. And then I popped her in my iPad and I did all these graphics that are on the RV uh, in Procreate. And I sent it off to this like I had massive amounts of Zoom meetings with this like rap place being like, no, it has to be done like this. It has to be perfect. And um <laughs> You know, it just took, you know, freaking just the things you learn, like about reupholstering and this and that. And, you know, ended up, you know, my wife learned how to cut tile. She did tile <laughs> backsplashes. Like there's these mirrored Damn. backsplashes through the whole thing. Um, you know, she did that herself. And, you know, we were cu- cutting floors and just doing like, I mean, we learned so much. Uh, yeah, and it's such a good thing. I mean, thank God we, you know, got our act together as a couple like the year before, you know, like the year before was our, 
that was our tough year. And we like did all the things to like really commit down and, you know, we're on like year nine now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and we did this like RV together and we freaking bust our tail. It's like blood, sweat and tears went into this thing. It took a proper year. Um, you know, and, and the goal was originally, you know, we've got this brick and mortar in LA and we're going to have two locations, you know, I'm going to put this yeah. thing in the middle of WeHo and I'm going to freaking tattoo a bunch of gay people and I'm gay and it's going to be the biggest queer rainbow freaking RV. <laughs> and, um, and then I spent six months on a mountain and felt really depressed in LA and was like LA itself, the city has, you know, a giant homeless population. The streets aren't looking beautiful anymore. I'm really stressed out about just driving day to day in LA. And I just, I wanted to go home. I was like, I want to be around my family. I only met my my dad's side when I turned 30. My cousins, I have three amazing cousins that are girls that are my age. Um, My mom lives here. My sister lives here. Jessica's from England, my wife. And, you know, this is a lot easier to travel to New York and London. So we decided, F it, let's just go across the country and open it in Florida. Um, And so we decided to have High Art 1 and 2, and one's in L.A. and one's going to be in Miami. Um, And the goal is to get it up and running in Wynwood and sometimes Hollywood and sometimes Fort Lauderdale. And just, um, yes, the ultimate goal is to do another one and have multiple locations, you know, Um, preferably in the same city. Um, where do you but providing to do this do you go to the so do you tattoo in the parks well well ideally you uh well i guess you, you could get away with tattooing in the parks um no currently they actually do not allow uh rvs or motor vehicles or anything on wheels to be tattoo shops so currently we are dealing with uh I don't changing the law that doesn't make any sense it makes no sense because there's a blood bank in Publix grocery store parking lot right now doing bloodborne pathogen work in an RV. Yeah. And, I mean, we have um, like uh, sex uh, STD testing out here in RV. Oh, yeah. You know, no, like, LA wasn't LA and California wasn't a problem. The thing was yeah. we moved. And uh, yeah. and so now, you know, now there's something to be said about being the first. <laughs> um, there are other there are other mobile shops. There is no luxury one of this stature anywhere Mm. in the country. Uh, We will be the first. And, um, you know, we're working very closely with um, some state reps and some different event people that put on different nonprofits down here. And they're all helping us change the law to get it, um, to get it cleared. So currently we're, we're, yeah, we're set to do some events. Um, We've been in talks with everyone from, uh, you know, some of the queer events to the NBA, like we've talked to a bunch of people about doing this um, sh- mobile shop. And, you know, there's three stations. So I'm hoping that all my friends can come uh, rotate in and out and just do this thing for different events and things like that. And That's just incredible. be supportive of the fact that I just want to own the building. You know, it's my yeah. shop. No one can take it from me. Um, you know, everything in it is hand done by us uh you know from the countertops to everything i mean we redid everything we we really put our effort into it um 
and wanted to make this experience. There's like five TVs, there's Xboxes. Is there pictures like, we can see of it? We just, do we have, uh, we just have the outside picture. Do you have inside pictures of it posted anywhere? I can send, I can send you a few pictures of the inside. I actually don't post it because uh, I haven't put any of like my actual artwork up in it yet. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's almost done. Yeah, so if they want to see, then they should follow you. They could follow me uh, either at high art tattoo or uh rubies underscore ink and uh i will i do periodically post uh the floors and the different renovations we did um i haven't done any of the promo videos because you know i don't want to get too excited until i do my first tattoos you know that makes sense. um inside Lauren, yeah can we're, you we're, pull up we're, the we're... picture of the outside of it for us again if lauren's around yeah cool yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to jinx it. You don't want to put it out there and then jinx the whole thing, huh? Well, it, it, it you know, currently it can work in several cities and several states. Um, so I could just essentially just drive it, you know, wherever I feel like doing events. Um, and yeah. that will be the goal. Um, for now, I'm focusing on Florida and doing some uh, events down here. A lot of people don't realize Florida does tons of art events. There's so many arts districts. Um throughout the Miami, South Florida area. Um, they do a lot of gay prides. They do a lot of uh, just queer sort of events in general, um, which is great for us because we can always just show up and be a part of the event. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, we're set for a small event. Uh, should be around October um, called Girls in Wonderland. And it's just a, a like, you know, I say small, but it's like 3000 lesbians for the weekend partying. Um, so we're going to just park it there for our first, like sort of soft advertisement, um, and won't be doing any procedures, but it'll be there for that. And, uh, you know, uh, the goal is to have more than one of them, like I said, and we'll see how it goes from there, but this is just, you know, a project we really believed in and wanted to start doing, you know? Yeah. sounds really awesome. Um, I'm going to... Yeah check the youtube i'm gonna check um if anybody has any questions we'll answer those i can't wait to see this rv i'll finish too doing any procedures pause that. cool i really love how my voice sounds it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> I, hate I hate it so much <laughs> okay let's see um, there are a few people who are talking about how amazing you are. Uh, oh, I love Ruby's authenticity from Deborah. Uh, Ruby's awesome from Ginger. Um, someone says, so proud of your determination and success you have accomplished due to your hard work from Deborah. Um, let me check anywhere else. I know people were requesting photos of the renovation of the RV, but we'll tell them where to follow you. <laughs> Tattoo Truck Tuesdays could be a thing in the future. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of that, like, uh, if you had, like, a, I mean, you, like, technically could do that, like, at, um, like, a, one of those big food um, squares, you know, in, like, just park, be like, all right, this is just a special event. You can come get tattooed here and eat delicious <laughs> food, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could. I'm uh, currently looking at, 
I mean, the, my goal is more to do like a high art space eventually. Um, just a total space with galleries, you know, housing yeah. for different artists and things like that. Um, I've always wanted to do something like that. And so that's, that's my uh, short term future goal. So Medusa is what I call the RV would live there and drive out to different events and do her day to day things. Um, hopefully with a ton of friends from around the world. And, you know, and then if those same friends have artwork, we'd be hosting shows for that and, you know, different events uh, in some space. I do come from, you know, bars and event background. And um, that's something that I, I do really well. Um, and I just have from so much experience being in New York doing those events and then moving to LA and continuing to do those kind of events. So um, we do events at my shop now. We have a big, huge back garden. We have bands come play. We've had uh, different musicians. We've had uh, DJs come and we just have a big art night, do tattoos and, you know, have some artwork up and they've all worked out really well. And I just want to continue that vibe, but with, uh, you know, places for artists to spend time and do residencies and things like that. So, yeah. you know, the goal is to put Medusa out there, but to ultimately fund the ability for artists to live and work in one particular space and, you know, those kind of artists being from around the world in different different genres from tattoos to painters to whatever so um that's that's my goal so that's wonderful you just answered my last question I was gonna ask you how you picture your future in the next 10 years but that, yeah well that, that, would, all sounds incredible. that would be it <laughs> yeah absolutely that's wonderful um okay I'm gonna do my close out um you can follow Ruby at Ruby's Downspace Inc. You can follow Guy Atchison's Reinventing the Tattoo at Reinventing the Tattoo. You can follow me at Haley Adams Tattoos and this interview series at Live in the Castro Tattoo. Also, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much, Ruby. That was awesome. Thanks for coming. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Lauren. Bye. Thank you guys very much. Oh, hey,